Project A Podcast. Welcome everybody to a new episode of the Project A Podcast. My name is Tamer, I'm CPO at Project A and I'm super excited to have Petra Wille as a guest with us. Hi Petra. Hi, good afternoon. Hi. So just like some hours ago, I made a presentation on interview techniques with a colleague of mine. And one thing that we said as an important part to uh, have in an interview is to make the guest feel comfortable. <laughs> so before we actually do that, let me just like quickly introduce uh, you to Petra. And then afterwards, we can see if she feels comfortable or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Petra is a product leadership coach. She was working for companies like SAP, Xing, Tolingo. She is like writing on Produktbezogen, which is one of the most successful and famous blogs on product management and uh, UX design. She is uh, creator of the 52 questions coaching cards. She has 15 years of experience with over 40 clients. She is co-organizer of the MTP Engage conference and speaker at the uh, Mind the Product. And Marty Kagan recently called her an exceptional discovery coach. And currently, um, she's working on her book, Strong. And this is also going to be the topic for today. And I think a very highly relevant topic. So Petra, did, do you feel uncomfortable now or did I put too much pressure on you now? <laughs> no, perfectly fine, actually. I lighted a candle. I have a so it's the perfect setup for a lovely podcast. I'd say your introduction was awesome. So <laughs> nothing to add. Great. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, let's, let's just jump right into the topic mm -hmm. of um, how to create strong product organizations. And I would love you to guide me a little bit through the moment where you've seen um, this as being a topic that you would like to focus on. Do you have some kind of moment or situation where you say like, okay, I really need to do something about it? Hmm. That's actually a good question. There is maybe not this reflective moment where I actually decided um, to do this. It's more like over the course of a several years, I'm coaching product people for, I'd say, as a freelance product coach, I'm coaching product people for, I'd say, four to five years now. And I obviously did it in former positions I held um, as well with the employees reporting to me. Um, and it's always kind of similar topics you're touching on. And at some point with my coaching, I thought, like, maybe I should write down some of the knowledge I gained through coaching all these people from all these different backgrounds. And I think that's the advantage of um, being... Um, a coach for so many companies because you see the same patterns evolving over and over again. Um, yeah, and that's why I decided to to put some of the, some of the knowledge in in a book um, about how to. It's actually more a bit a bit more about the people development part of the product organization topic. Um, so how you are creating strong product people and therefore a strong product organization. So it's pretty focused on the individual growth of each and every product manager on your team. So, so do you have really like a, let's say a top list of, let's say weaknesses in, in um, product organization that you say like, okay, this is like coming over and over again. Is there something that you have on top of your mind? Yeah. So first of all, the question is always like, is there a definition of how a good product person looks like in this particular company context industry and at this given point in time and a lot of companies are not 
spending enough time on this reflection. So they have a standardized, maybe it's a copy and paste thing, uh, a role description they saw on the web here, because Google had a nice role description for product people, and then they took one from Facebook and one from around the mother company, and they do this Frankenstein role descriptions, that's how I call it. Um, and that's something it's a pattern I see over and over again. So usually there is no definition of that's what a good product manager looks like in our organization. And therefore it's super hard to coach the people in this product organization to get better at what they do. Because what is better if there is no definition of good? Um, so that is one of the patterns that I say like, okay, first of all, you need to define what is a good product management definition in your company. And then it's... Um, and you need to help the people to get there. And this is more like a coaching, the coaching aspect of it. Um, so I see so many um, companies not investing enough time in people development. Um, and it does not have to be a massive amount of time. It's more like, are you constantly, as a product leader, are you constantly having this, okay, what would be the next bigger challenge for this product person? And are they ready for this next bigger challenge? And if the answer is no, why do I think as a product leader they are not ready for the next bigger challenge and can I help them to get there? So it's more this kind of a lot of self-reflection um, that actually is needed by a product leader. Um, so that's another pattern. Is the product leader a strong product leader and are they really investing time and in figuring and talking about the product? So that's one aspect. The processes, how are we actually creating these products? and the people that are working in there. And I really like this. There is a shipyard metaphor. Uh, Geoff Redfern is currently CPO at Atlassian. Um, he was formerly at LinkedIn and he uses the shipyard meta metaphor and always says like, okay, um, the product people, they're working on the ships, but I, as a product leader, I need to create this shipyard that is helping the people to create the perfect ships and boats. Um, and that's a metaphor I really like. So that's another pattern. Is your shipyard in a good shape? Um, and in many companies, it's not. They're not reflecting um, enough on the shipyard. Um, they actually, there is no shipyard creation process or people that are maintaining the shipyard. Uh, this is brilliant. Um, when we're talking about that one, maybe we can, you know, like outline a little bit more of um, what you would see as, let's say, a benchmark uh, for that one. Like, do we have something where you say, like, okay, this is something that. Um, characterizes some kind of like like strong product management and strong product leadership. Yeah, um, should we should we start with the product management piece or with the leadership piece? Uh, let's start with the product management part because I think this is more let's say in the core of everything. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So for, for for the product management part, it's. It's different things. So first of all, you need to find their personality traits and product people that you want to look for. Um, because for example, curiosity is one strong, one of the strong markers I see. If people are curious about the world itself, about how it works, all the nuts and bolts, what keeps the world spinning, um, what keeps the industry spinning and the field they're currently at. And if there is this curiosity and they're never running out of it. Um, so this is, for example, one of the personality traits I'm looking at. And there, there's some more that you want to look um, into if you're higher or, yeah, it's, it's more a hiring game in this case because training for this personality traits is nearly impossible. So that's, uh, that's something if you're defining good product management then you need to figure out what do I as a product leader think 
are key personality traits in this context. Curiosity is, for example, one that I like to use, or intellectual horsepower is another one, because I really think product people have to have at a CPUs, I have to I have to click at a certain um, rate, right? So they need to be fast paced when it comes to analytical thinking and thinking in general and understanding context and these kind of things. So that's just two two examples of things you can not really train for. So that's some things you want to actually get if you're interviewing product people. So that's personality traits. Um, piece or how I sometimes call it, that's the essence um, of a, a product person if you want to hire them. And then it's, it's skills and competencies. And I have eight buckets I usually look into, which is, are they able to understand the underlying problem? And this is the, the customer problems, user problems, but the company situation as well. So how much money do we need to earn to make this actually working in the sustainable business? Um, then if they are able to understand underlying problems, are they good in finding or ideating on various solutions? Because there is always many ways you can solve a problem. And a lot of product people are super focused on finding the next best solution. So it's not that they're having many solutions at hand or are really poorly in kind of, ah, oh, we could solve this like this manual. We can maybe hire a lot of people doing the exact same job or we can automate it by creating some software. So there are always so many possible solutions. And that's an important thing I always try to, to look for. Are they able to do this? Then it's the planning part of the job, uh, which is for sure. It can be road mapping. Um, it's um, working with goals and targets and clear KPIs. So this is a bit of the planning part of the job. Um, then it's uh, how good are they in getting it done? So working with the team um, to really ship the thing. So can they rally a team behind their vision um, for their products? That's, that's a question. Um, and do they just know the admin stuff that it requires to actually do that? Um, then it's the listen and learn. Bucket I'm looking into, um, are they actively listening to what customers and clients are saying once things are out there and released? And are they willing to yeah, learn from that and refine what they build and make it even greater and nicer in the next iteration? Um, and then it's three, so that's the first five dimensions. And then there are three other ones, which is more like, yeah, Perth's personal thing. So one is, are they dedicated to their personal growth all the time? Because I think that's key for product people. There's always something new to learn um, from a competitor industry. There's another trend, another mega trend, hopefully not so many, another mega trends, <laughs> but to get the idea. Um, so that's the growth part. Um, and then do they know basics um, about uh, how to work in agile environments or how to actually create these agile environments? And I don't think so much about, okay, I know if we do Scrum, we have to do stand-ups. It's more, have I understood the underlying principles of why agile is a nice way of working and what's the benefits of it and how we can apply this to our current work environment. And last but not least, it's the question of, have they understood how teams work as um, yeah, as a um, motivation? So it's a motivational question of, can I motivate teams? If yes, how do I motivate teams? Um, that's the lateral leadership topic that we usually um, touching on. So this is the, that's the eight buckets that I usually check on if I go hire product people or if I reflect on strengths and weaknesses of the product people on my team I got. I have all this, I, I call it the PM wheel. 
Um, it's a framework I'm using and I'm, I have created. And the, the coaching cards you were mentioning in the beginning, for example, they are actually sorted in this exact buckets. So, so you mentioned a very interesting aspect. Um, and on the one side, you mentioned the uh, attitude that a product manager should, should bring along, like curiosity. Um, and the other one is more on, let's say, hard skills. Um, how, how would you balance these kind of both? Is there something where you say like, okay, um, as long he, as he has the attitude um, or let's say the soft skills, however you want to call it, um, the hard skills is something that you can learn or do you really say like, oh, no matter what, you know, like, I just like need some someone who has these hard skills in order to get going. Mm, <laughs> a mix of both. Um, so I never saw a successful product manager without a solid soft skill set, set, set of soft skills, right? So you cannot work with teams successfully over the long term if there are totally no soft skills at all. So this is super important and that's non-negotiable, I would say. So you need to get the basic soft skills, right, to become a successful product person. And then the other thing, that I think, so you, you can learn all the methodologies and framework that is pretty easy and it just takes time and a bit of, yeah, you need to dedicate some of your time to that. But what you need is, um, Sean Russell has usually started to call it Produktgefühl. And I really <laughs> like this word because that's actually what it what it's all about. So have they, is there a gut feeling they're having for the right things to do, the right next steps, the most important things? Um, so they can, for example, be super poor in prioritization at first hand. And then something a talented product leader could coach somebody through. So this is totally a weakness you can work on. Um, it might never become a strength of this particular product person. But in the end, they might be okay in prioritization but if they don't have an overall product gefühl and are not interested in most of the tasks the product manager has to do then it's super hard to get them to a, yeah to a point where they can be great product people how could you actually i like i really like the word of product gefühl which is like <laughs> to some kind of like um let, let's say feeling towards the next steps or the activities that you need to do around the product um, is there something that you can actually do in order to train this muscle? Um, what would you recommend people to actually say like, okay, um, how can I get this product gefühl? Um, I think we all have seen this super talented, super young, super ambitious person that has no clue at all, but manages all of this product management task with ease. Um, and those are the ones that are having having this product gefühl from the beginning. And usually the driver for this is really like this curiosity I was talking about because they're learning something from every step they take. So maybe from building a skate park in their youth or running a scout camp for 70 people and planning the meal plan or something like this. And whatever they did, they learned something about automation, maybe if you're doing this meal plan thing year after year, or I don't know. Um, but whatever they did, they learned something um, for their product gefühl. Um, and if we're looking at the people that are already in our companies, then it is 
user feedback and data that um, usually helps you to get better at the Produktgefühl. So whenever somebody says like, ah, I have no clue what's the next things we could do, then I always say like, okay, then bring me five nuggets of user feedback and a bit of data that you find interesting and let's, let's discuss what that tells us and really let's make an ideation session talk about some hypotheses, put them on the wall, think about assumptions we're having and if they're true or not. Um, so this is something, it's, it's data and it's um, customer feedback usually. Um, and ideas that are circulating the company as well and then go reverse engineer those ideas. So why is this person, this stakeholder, this boss of mine having this particular idea why does he think that it is a great idea? And if you reverse engineer that a bit, this always builds up your Produktgefühl, even if this idea might be a super poor one, <laughs> but you're still learning something and feeding into your Produktgefühl. I, re I really like the um, emphasis that you put on this kind of, I don't want to call it curiosity, but this kind of like uh, questioning whatever is happening around you. Yeah. Um, and I also can, can, can recommend every product people to, for example, um, do user interviews themselves, not in order to gain some kind of dedicated knowledge out of it, but to gain some empathy towards the user, just to, to create your mental model that helps you in order to steer across this like super complex environment, right? Yeah, and this is that's, uh, for example, this is key, right? So because the companies that are creating really great products that are making a difference, they are. Yeah, exposing themselves to this user feedback without this massive boundaries and walls around them. So the product people go out there, see the struggle and really want to solve um, these things. For sure, you need to have some um, professionalism around that as well. So you cannot solve each and every problem a user is having. Um, yeah, but 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 that's the, the profession, right? So understand the people, see their pains and but then invent on behalf of this user. So don't do what they are asking you to do. Really think about, okay, what could be the invention that solves that problem in a much nicer way than they would maybe have ever imagined. Uh, exactly. It's just like one part of the equation and one input that you can get. Um, but of course, there's much more to do it. Um, and uh, I think it's like also recommend everyone to not replace thinking by user research, but to add thinking to user research. Um, yeah, as and it's such a great resource of learning. Exactly. Um, all right, let's let's get back again a little bit to the um, strong uh, product people and and to your experience with product managers. So, wh where do you actually think that product managers um, lead need to learn? the most from that hard skill? I mean, we've talked about this um, feeling that they should get, but is there something where you say like, okay, you know what, guys, if you would have a magic wand, like which kind of like thing would you make every product manager know, know about? I think the biggest mind shift over the last few years was this, everything is a bet and everything is a hypothesis. Um, so because that's, that's if, if people are asking me, how are you describing the role of a product manager in super short, then I use the Marty Kagan definition of you need to limit and balance the four big risks of software development, which are this, is it valuable to somebody what we're currently planning to build? Is it usable by these people without us in the room? Um, is it feasible with the people we're having at the given time and budget we're having? And does it make sense? So that's the viable bit. Does it make sense for the company and is it ethically, morally and legally 
um, advice to actually build what we're having in mind. Um, and to balance all of that, that is a big part of the job. Um, so that that's the main tasks. And if you if you look from that angle, then it's really a lot about okay. What hypothesis am I having about my current market user group user segmentations? The problem they're having because it's all assumptions at the beginning, um, and then I need to put them down somewhere and play with them a bit and see like okay, which of those assumptions are super dangerous to the business? So if this assumption is not true, we don't have business at all. And sometimes you have assumptions that are. So you have a lot of evidence that they might be true and even if not it won't ruin the company you maybe have wasted three days um, of one developer's time but that might be fair and then you want to make sure um, to secure the riskiest assumptions um, with a lot of experiments um, and that's something i help a lot of product people to understand so everything is an assumption Think about how dangerous this assumption is. If you're wrong, um, think about how much evidence are you having that you might be right with this assumptions, <laughs> and then really try to find the right experiment to make sure uh, um, that yeah you're minimizing the risk here. You never can eliminate it. That's just not possible. Otherwise, everybody would be at discovery all the time. And at some point, you need to say like, okay, enough evidence collected. Let's build this thing. Um, but this is maybe hard skill wise. To, yeah, the, the main part of the, the product management coaching job currently. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- one question to you about that one. Would you think and believe that a product manager should actually be a little bit more, let's say, close to this um, cost side um, and the potential uplift side that you can generate by something? Or would you just like say... Um, it's really good that they just like, you know, work in sprints uh, or um, any other agile methodology and don't really feel, let's say, the the investment um, in terms of time or cost that they're generating um, when they're creating a ticket or something like that. What is your take on that? <laughs> my take on that. Um, companies usually don't like my take on that. So my take on that is smaller teams, that really have this end-to-end responsibility for their topic um, and product people need to understand it all. That's why the job is so hard. <laughs> That's why it's so hard to find good product people, right? Um, because they have to be able to create a solid business case, maybe not the pitch perfect business case. <laughs> you need to make the perfect predictions for the future or something like this, but they have to be able to understand the business. That is. Um, yeah, that the product is supporting, but they have to the same amount of the time needs to be dedicated to, as you were pointing out, user research, figuring out what people really, really want to have. So they even need to wrap their heads around psychology and um, how do I actually really get insights out of an interview. And it's a super broad job and you need to work with team. I really don't like this agency model of product people are doing so there is a product manager doing the strategy part and then there is a product owner executing the thing with the team um because i think so many good ideas is lost in translation if you're having a setup like this so i'm a strong advocate for smaller teams um maybe smaller products um yeah and really try to make it end-to-end responsibility uh, for an empowered product team. And then it's a team sport. I strongly believe it's a team sport. Um, and that's why I'm not a big fan of 
People always ask me, why aren't you not um, doing more trainings, for example? And it's because of I find it super hard to pull off training for product people because they're, if the team is slightly, it's always different, companies are different, and sometimes you have to be pretty technical. And on the other team, you have great developers that really think from code to the user, um, and they do quality assurance on their own and all these kind of things. And then the product manager has... The time and the headspace to be a bit more on the business side and maybe a bit more on the go-to-market strategy stuff um, but it strongly depends on the people around you so it, there is no one size fits all answer to that um, yeah but in general smaller teams go slow but do all of the all, all of the things that are required to get a product out there so really doing the uh, kind of end-to-end -end perspective on everything that they're gonna gonna yeah. do an impact yeah, don't mm -hmm. use a second level support in doubt as long as nobody other can do it. <laughs> it's your job and it will help you build your product gefühl. So <laughs> Ooh, this is this is of course a very interesting talk that might gonna like build the bricks bridge to the initial kind of uh, thing that we've talked about and we said okay, what is actually the role definition of a product manager? Like where does his field of expertise should stop? And uh, what is the field of expertise that he should have, at least? Yeah, and that's, and that's why in, in the beginning I pointed out, this is up to the product leader to think about this. Because as well, there is no, it's a bit like, I always talk, um, I have this metaphor of a photographer. If people say like, yeah, we need, we need a photographer, then it's like, there's so many types of photographers. People are doing lifestyle and food and fashion and editorial and all these kind of different ways. And they need different equipment, different know-how, different knowledge. Um, and the same applies for product people. So even if we are, I think we, don't talk enough about the differences that can be there. It, it's getting a bit better over the last few years. Um, but there, there are so many different types of product people. Um, and companies need to reflect on what they need. And then, uh, yeah, try to search for exactly that. Um, absolutely. But I think this is also a very hard thing to do because, um, I mean, at, at least from my experience, I see that product people have this, let's say, amazing attitude of uh, serving all problems that they come across. <laughs> yeah. But also this comes to the price of they are sometimes really solving problems uh, that they should better not solve because they're just like not, they can't just like do it, but they're probably not going to be the right person to do it. Yeah, this is, that's, that's another great to coaching topic, how to say no. Um, <laughs> this is something, yeah, that, that's really something product leaders need to help their product people with as well because saying no is such an important part of the job and it's prioritization all the way on every task you do you need to think about okay is this the most important thing today that i need to do or is there anything else on my plate um and you should prioritize everything um, and you need deliberately chosen criteria for this prioritization process so that could be something product leaders could be doing with and it, 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 it might be their the calendar is overfloating all the time. They're sitting in too many meetings, eight hours straight, and then they do another two hours of backlog item creation or something like this. It's a 10-hour day every day, which is not a good sign. Um, it doesn't have to be crazy at work, right? So um, if this is the case for your product people, then go sit with them and really talk with them about prioritization because I strongly believe if they are able um, to prioritize their personal time in a good way, that helps their prioritization 
uh, of their backlog and the team's time overall as well. So whenever you can think about are my product people as good in prioritization as I wish and how could I help them to get better at that? And it's most of the times it's like helping them say no to some things and helping them to see the things they could say no to. I think this is some very good um, remark here to say like, okay, why don't you all like go a step back and, and reevaluate your more or less job description, if I, if I got you right, and reframe that one, um, figure out what is actually our, uh, what is the purpose of what you're doing and how should you execute on that one? Um, and then probably take the next step and say like, okay, guys, um, what am I doing right now? So where is the um, uh, to be solution, right? And where do we have the as is right now? And, and build the delta and, and try to actively work on that one. Yeah, and that's exactly so. That's exactly what I what I usually tell the people. So really, I call it I call it future self, and it has uh, two more aspects than the ones you were um, pointing out. So it's the kind of as is. So what's your current situation for example people are always questioning my backlog prioritization and i constantly have to argue about why things are in this particular order and that actually drives me mad and it takes a lot of my time so how can we solve this and then there needs to be an ss description so how should it be in the future once i have worked on that skill so less people are arguing with me about my prioritization for example um, uh, and then it's the action so what could i actually do to get there and for the prioritization thing it's like okay write down what are my prioritization criteria currently because i'd say 70 percent of the product people i coach don't have a set of deliberately chosen criteria for prioritization um, and there is no wrong or right but you need to reflect on your way of prioritization and then you can work with people um, to see like okay do they think that's the wrong criteria. Should we talk about that? Then it gets more uh, easier to talk to other people about your prioritization process and they can understand how you're doing it. They can say like, hmm, Petra, I like that you always have like business value as one of your strongest indicators, but currently maybe we should aim for something else. Um, so then people can actually start discussion around that. Yeah. So that's the, as is the to be and the actions that get you there. Yeah. And I think this is like um, the cool thing about that one is that probably product managers have all the tools in order to, to get down to the root cause of it. Right. I mean, like we're probably the best people to actually uh, reevaluate yourself and probably should take ourselves more as a product and, and see how how the way we, we build product are actually like the um, uh, we can apply the same methodologies that we use for the product that we're creating towards, let's say, the, the internal kind of organization. And if yeah, we call that's, it for example, that's an, uh, something I usually tend to say to product leaders is think about clarity as the product of your product managers. I know they are all working on different products. That's totally the case. But how much clarity do they bring to the organization? So does their team clearly understand what the current goals are and what, why features are on the backlog and why they need to do that and why, why this is not something they want to look into now? And is the rest of the um, company aware of what this team is currently doing and why they are doing this? So clarity is maybe one good reflection point for product leaders if they're looking at their product team. Cool. So let's take a step back and see, um, or go back again to your experience uh, when you're working with so many product managers. So what actually in their day-to-day -day business is something they probably understand very easily, but have a hard time to apply it in a day-to-day -day business? 
Like uh, that's something uh, commentary had right now where you say like, okay, this is like really the big challenge where people are really don't ha have a really hard time to apply this. Let's say most of the product management tips are very understandable, at least in the first place. Yeah, it's it's more continuity, <laughs> I'd say, if I need to answer this in one word. So uh, most of the people understood user research is important and they do it once a year for two weeks. And all of the people understood that prioritization is important and they do it every Friday evening if they reprioritizing their backlogs. But it's not something they have constantly built in whatever they do. I mean, we talked about that um, taking this continuity is extremely hard, but do you have any tips um, for product managers to actually get into this um, habit of doing the right things um, over and over again? Yeah, um, and it's friendly reminders. So, uh, and there could be various friendly reminders. So the easiest ways for sure, write it on a post-it, stick it to your monitor that says like, do continuous user interviews. Um, then another tactic is um, calendar blockers that just remind you, for example, I like this um, silent breakfast, I sometimes call it, or data breakfast, where I just meet with the other um, product managers um, at the company and everybody does one hour of number crunching, for example, but for their own product. Right. So just make sure that it happens and there can be tricks like put it in your calendar somewhere um, and invite other people. Because if you just create a blocker, I have to look into my KPIs each Friday or each morning, even better. Um, then sometimes people just don't respect your blocker and are putting a meeting on top of that. So if you do it with colleagues and it's kind of a brown bag session or something like this, um, it's maybe a nicer way to integrate it in your day-to-day -day work. And with every habit, I think it's important to understand why you are actually doing it. So um, maybe write um, on some, I don't know, sheet of paper why you should care about this topic and what is your personal advantage if you're changing your habit, but what is the... Um, advantage for the company as well if you're changing this or for your team or for your product or for the user so why should you really care to change your behavior um, and it takes some time so don't be too harsh on yourself <laughs> because changing habits um, takes some time and it's more likely if you do really small steps so um, I usually tell product people that you should have a 50-50 um, yeah, 50% of your work is more focused on the delivery part of the job, but the other 50 should be focused on the discovery part of the job. Uh, and then everybody's like, whoa, 50%, I maybe do one hour a week. And then I usually tell people, yeah, then maybe go get it to 90 minutes <laughs> and then see if you can get it to three hours a week. Um, so really slowly but steadily change your habits and your behavior, and then you are most likely to succeed. Cool. Thank you very much for this kind of great and simple tip. Um, all right. I mean, we've talked a lot about that um, product managers um, can gain strengths um, in the terms of redefining what they're actually working on or what their job description is by focusing on usable, viable, and feasible products to, to remind themselves of what they learned from Marty Kagan and um, uh, taking all these steps that we've taken in order to create uh, a continuous um, approach to what is actually right, because we all believe that most product managers actually know 
what they need to do, um, but the day-to-day business just like prevents them from doing that. Let's maybe jump a little bit over now and to look into this topic of um, product leadership and product organization. So, I mean, probably not all organizations will like create the same kind of like um, setup for success that a product manager would need in order to create a good product. So what what are the things that you see over and over again where you say, okay, this really needs to change in companies and organizations? How Because this is probably something that needs to be driven by the product manager, right? So I think it depends on the company's definition of success. But um, how you and I might be defining success as uh, economic success for the company by being innovative in the tech field for customers and clients. Um, so, and if, it, if that's the success you're looking for, um, then it's for sure more of empowering teams, really create a diverse team of people with diverse skill sets um, that can solve hard problems and help to hand them a hard problem and then just let them do their work. So hire people that are that smart that they really can trust them. If, I, if I'm handing them a hard problem, um, then this group of people is smart enough to solve it. And if you say like, well, I'm not sure if that's the right approach for our company for various reasons, then really dive a bit deeper into why is this the case. So there may be you hired two junior or uh, people that are not having this intellectual horsepower and this curiosity. Um, maybe you just hired too, too many of this rather code monkey-like developers or I don't know. And there's so, so many people out there that really want to make a contribution and often the company ecosystem is not letting them. Um, so that's, that's another part of the equation, right? So is your company empowering the teams and the individuals working there um, and that's that's an important question to ask yourself how can you help um, to really yeah help these teams to be empowered um, and work on hard problems <laughs> they creatively solving what could you do as a as a product manager itself i mean like now we're getting back again <laughs> but uh, what could you do as a product manager in order to convince your company to to get them more power um, to give them the environment that they actually need in order to grow is there something that you can or should do is there, or is it just like something where you say like okay this is really up to the organization and the leadership itself to to understand and see that one no it's it, yeah, to some extent it's always on the leadership and the company infrastructure but you can do lots of the thing a product manager can do is outcomes and talk about the outcomes. So it's first of all, you have to deliver value to the client and therefore value for the company, right? So, and if you do this, and even if it's just small things, then make sure you're telling the story to everybody. Um, so do good and talk about it. It's more or less the, the, the thing here. Um, and it, it's, it, it's a trust game right the more they trust you that you actually know what you're doing and that you do the right things and that the things you're doing will turn out to be um of advantage for the company and the user then usually you are in the small niche where everybody knows like okay petra knows her thing so 
we don't have to bother her all the time with our other ideas we're having because this team, um, they know what they actually should be doing um, to, to create great outcomes. So it's focus on talking about the outcomes and not so much about, hey, we launched this feature. And what is the outcome? So is it improving something or were you just changing the software? So it's really focus on outcomes focus on what did improve because of the work you did. And then that's, it's kind of creating a success story and then do a bit of marketing for your team um, and on your own behalf. And then you, you will get more and more of this uh, freedom of doing the right thing or the things right, both. Um, yeah, so that would be the tip for the product people. But at some point in time, and that's maybe another tip, um, there is a saying of you can't fix broken people and it's the same thing you can't fix a broken company ecosystem so if you are just the product manager or a developer or an interaction designer on such kind of an um, organization i always strongly encourage the people to think this um to think this way okay have i done personally everything what i could possibly do to really try to change things here for the better um sometimes even be that vocal that you are afraid of maybe they're kicking me out if I'm, I'm kind of raising this question but that's the exact the, the, the exact right point so if you don't like how things are working and really try to change it even if you're a bit of afraid that somebody would say like Petra that was a bit too crazy of a move um which is fine because you don't want to be in this company forever if nothing is changing for the better anyhow so really make an effort, try to um, influence um, the environment around you for the better. And then there is always this point of letting it go and say like, okay, look, I did my best. I really tried to, um, I really put effort into this, but I can't change this company ecosystem. Yeah, and I think this is like a very good point. And I think we also made this observation that, um, I mean, just like a story about that one. So um, sometimes I have like product managers who are saying like, okay, I would love to do more strategy, right? And then I'm saying them, you know, like, okay, why should anyone trust you to do strategy? Like when is the last time that you talked to someone or when is the last time that you did a competitor analysis? And they said like, okay, you really need to start there. And what we see actually is if people actually start doing and building up their, um, let's say, knowledge library with the intention to make the product better in terms of seeing it from the business perspective, from the tech perspective, from the customer perspective altogether. Um, this creates some kind of like pull mechanisms for, for other people. And people say like, hey, you did this kind of research thing. Can I have a look? There is some, there might be some good information for me right around the corner. And this is somehow like, like creating this kind of like positive viral uh, spiral loop. They say like, okay, this is something that grows over time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I always I always advise to people to look for creative ways to learn something. So for example, if you if you want to be more involved in strategy discussions, why not doing weird first steps like volunteering at a conference that is the top the main topic is product strategy or I don't know and then just by volunteering there you get some of the the, the, the context um, the people are talking what the people are talking about what good resources are then you can start from there then maybe there is a small opportunity at your company where you can show that you like this user research you were mentioning um, so then go do it step up um, and yeah that's that, that's exactly how you do it all right so 
we've talked a lot about like how actually um, product people can gain strengths and that uh, I would say the company itself needs to, on the one side, provide some kind of like environment that that allows the people to actually grow and develop into that one. But of course, not like empowering the people, but um, as I understood you, um, guide them or lead them to some direction with experience so they can fill this kind of like uh, vacuum with uh, real knowledge and not just like trying things out. Yeah, and it's, um, it's really, the, the point is really like, don't tell the people they are not doing their job good enough. You need to show them what good enough looks like or you need to precisely describe what you want to see to what needs to change so that you can say like, I, I really see a difference here. You made a change. There is some development. So you really need to be super precise in explaining how better would look like. And that's uh, something a lot of product leaders are not that good at. So we need better product leaders in the end as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, Petra, thank you very much for this great insights and this great discussion. Thanks for having me. Um, Finally, I would just like love to ask you one question because I'm waiting for this one. Um, when is your book coming out? Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully in January. So I'm currently revising uh, the, um, the interior designed version of the book. Um, and then it actually should be going into production. All right, cool. Great, great to hear that. So I'm on the waiting list and, and waiting for, for getting <laughs> reading you in order to see like how you actually what you can actually do. Uh, in terms of um, uh, making product people stronger. It's uh, good that you can read about that one. Yeah, it's a very really um, hands-on book. So it's a lot of ticks and, uh, tips and tricks and tactics. Yeah, this is like always this kind of uh, big challenge because you also mentioned this one, this um, learning about product management is easy while applying or mastering yeah. product management is extremely hard. Yeah. And, and this is like... It's amazing. You read all these books and you say like, yes, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. And it's even repeating. And then you just like look onto yourself, actions that you do. And it's like, wow, this is not that easy. Like, how can you really do something feasible or viable or usable? <laughs> um, cool. Thank you again. And uh, I hope we're going to have you in, a, in, a, in another recording as well. And uh, wish you a nice day. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Yotama. Cool. Feel free to leave us some 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 comments on the social media channels. Feel free to contact us. I think you can uh, find Petra Ville very easily in the internet. Um, you can you can find me easily in the internet. Um, contact us. Give us feedback. Uh, thank you for that. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating. Thanks, guys.